Warning. Liberty Never Sleeps contains adult language and adult political themes. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Now here's your host, the voice of Liberty Never Sleeps, Tom Purcell. Welcome to the Liberty Never Sleeps podcast, the most unacceptable podcast on social media. I'm your host, Tom Purcell. You can follow the show on our website, libertyneversleeps.com, where you can find links to us on all the social media sites. The show is available to subscribe to on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. For more shows, add free videos to the show. You can join our membership club. Details are at libertyneversleeps.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you hear it. Starting next week, we go to our Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I haven't decided if it's going to be 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern or 7. Uh, a lot depends on when the taping is and how, I, how long it takes me to edit. I, I think it's going to be 6 o'clock Eastern, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're trying to get to a, back to a regular schedule. I, I've you know, been sitting down with my nutritionist and my oncologist and what can I do, what can I do, how many hours a week, that kind of thing. And they want to... They, they tell me they want to keep me in a, a relatively stress-free life. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the evenings. Um, those of you who are in the membership club, video membership, you'll get that right away whenever I tape it. Um, but the podcast is going to be in the evenings. Anyway, we got, we got a lot to talk about today. It, it, it seems like with the Biden administration, there isn't really one aspect of this presidency that you can point to that has been successful. So every every show now, you know, you, you start talking about the same things. Every time you talk about the border, you start talking about the economy, you start talking about a foreign policy. These are all critical issues to the executive branch. And it seems like the only things that the Biden administration wants to talk about is unemployment because it's low. But it's we're going to talk about it today, about the actual numbers. It's not as low as you think and what's coming and how this economy has been pumped up. And I, I get to the point when I talk about this, when I, when I do these shows, it's like, do my listeners really want to hear me complain again about the border? But it, it seems to get worse every day. There, there doesn't seem to be any any hope or any any sense of sensibility coming from Congress or from the Republican side either. You can't come to any kind of negotiation because why? Well, because any kind of negotiation that the Democrats want include asylum and open borders. They always put these in the bill. And, and Republicans can't come to terms on things that we need to talk about. We need to talk about regulating AI. We've been talking about social media. I don't think regulation is the solution to it, but it's always the same problem. The Biden administration, everything they touch turns to crap. You know, I was talking with somebody on social media about it. There doesn't seem to be any kind of real progress going on with America or with the Biden. You know, during the Trump administration, there were times when he would pivot things that weren't going well, that would change the tax breaks, whatever. And I was critical of him then about government spending and it, and it kind of tailed off and there was so much to, there, there were so many aspects to the onion, but there isn't with the Biden mission. He is screwing up on a daily basis and he continues to double down on the very things that are, are screwing us up. I mean, we're going to talk about it today. We talk about the pornography scandal in Congress. They were filming pornographic acts, the Capitol Police. 
We're going to talk about Biden calling up the soldiers' parents who died in Iraq. Grocery stores, he's blaming grocery stores for high prices. We'll talk about that. Talk about the economy. And we got a couple of ridiculous stories I thought we should wrap up the week with. Something about spy pigeons in Mumbai and Larry David, which is a favorite of mine. We'll talk about him as we wrap the show. I want to, before we get into the politics of it, I, I got to talk about this woke agenda in the entertainment industry. I've been constantly seeing now, as we all know, the Marvel Universe, Star Wars, we're all train wrecked by the woke agenda. And I'm, I'm constantly being told, yeah, but the box office is good. Yeah, box office, top, one of the top 10 box offices was The Last Jedi. And then I started to drill down on the numbers, like always. Like always the mass media tells you one thing and the truth is another. They tell you the facts. There's no question that some of these movies had a higher overall box office rate. But they don't tell you is what the numbers are coming from. And, and, and that's how they try and mislead you about how pop, the population wants this. And the population does not want woke films. The population does not want met, messenger films. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I was looking at The Last Jedi. They're selling The Last Jedi as, oh, this is great and, and whatnot. And the box office is one of the top 20 films. And I started to drill down the numbers. First of all, it hasn't factored for inflation, the gross number. They, they go by gross numbers, 21 billion dollars or whatever the hell the number is, 21 million, 210 million, I don't know. doesn't matter. The numbers are relative. And they compare it to like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which was the like 19th and, and last night it was 20. Yeah, but the average ticket price on the 19th film, last the Temple of Doom, was something like a third of that of, of Last Jedi. The average price of The Last Jedi was about 1450 at the box office. And the average price at the Temple of Doom was only about $6. So when you compare apples to apples, there's no comparison. The Temple of Doom sold twice as many people as did Last Jedi. It, it, even though the top box office was much higher, it grossed you know, much more money, it, that doesn't tell you the real story. And then I started to drill down further. It was shown on four times as many screens four times as many screens with half as many people going to it. The, the, the movies after the first weekend largely didn't make anything. I remember as a kid, you go to the movies and you didn't look up when movie times were. You know what you did? You went to the movie house and you picked from what, well, what's playing now. I, for those of you who are too young, I, I, I remember the day when you would go to the movie and there would be blockbusters on every screen. And that's why the multiplex came around. Because then you could go to a movie theater and be 12 or 13 movies. They were, and, and I printed ads from back in 1984, 1986. You'd have Temple of Doom playing, Return of the Jedi playing. You would have Star Trek Three playing. You would have that movie. You would have a couple movies for the women, which would be romance movies. You'd have a comedy. Stripes was in the same movie theater. People don't realize they were up against much different markets. Uh, that what Nowadays... They come out, one movie comes out on every screen and it comes out in, in 7,000 screens instead of 2,000. So it's no wonder you're generating revenues and then you're not even filling the theaters. I remember movie day, the movie theater was packed in every screen. It's just not like that now. 
And then you're not factoring inflation too. Inflation of everything else, inflation of the dollar, inflation of going out, spending gas money, going driving to the theater. People are turning to streaming. And that, that's why I bought a lot of these streaming networks. And people say to me, well, why are you spending $10 a month on that, $10 a month on this Disney? And I said, you gotta understand, $10 a month will cost me a lot less than going to the movie house on one weekend. And I think people are doing that. It, what it's showing is a shrinkage of the economy, the overall average spending. It's a lot of the reason why when you go to a mall, they don't exist anymore. People don't have disposable income like they did. I, I remember back in the day, you go into the mall and you would piss away a couple hundred bucks on stuff that a lot of times I don't even have today. Just crap. A lot of times you do that at, at, at Target or Walmart, you go in and you buy like a whole bunch of crap, Tupperware containers or a really nifty new gadget. It seemed like there was always something new coming out every week, some sort of new device, uh, some sort of new thing that you can use in the house. It, that doesn't happen anymore. I, I really do think that the movie box office shows us that the economy is stagnant. And, and overall, America is stagnant. What have we accomplished since 9-11? I want you to think about this in a, in a fair manner. What what great buildings have we built? We rebuilt the World Trade Center, and it's not the, anywhere near as good as the old World Trade Center. I, what have we have we built new cities? No, I don't think there's been a major new city built in America in maybe a hundred years. Where are we doing with all this land west of the Mississippi, just sitting on it? And. And it's all reflected, really, if you, if you drill down the, the numbers on these movies, you start to realize people are doing less, spending less, and sitting at home more. And social media plays a part in that, too. People are getting entertained by cruising the internet. I mean, I, when, I, when I do social media, it's a work day, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I, it used to be four, four five times, five days a week. But social media, for me, is for work. I, I don't... I don't get enjoyment out of it other than watching some blue hair girl scream at me. You know, I, that I get a kick out of just because I, I know exactly how to trigger them. But I, I don't go on social media much on the weekends. I, I, I try to stay off it. I, it's, just a, it, it's a sewer, a cesspool of people hating on each other. Nobody talks about facts. Nobody talks about truth. They all talk about, I hate this guy because I don't like the way he walks. I, you know, you should see the anti-Trump stuff I get. I mean, these are professional columnists. Donald Trump is a rapist and I, he hates, he's an asshole, a jackass. And Biden himself, there was a film on, uh, oh, what is it? James O'Keefe's site. Shows a, a low-level bureaucrat. Oh, I met Biden and he's a jackass and he's stupid and this kind of thing. It's like, where, where, where are we going as a people? Why, these are the questions I ask. This is why... I point to box office. Where are we going as a people? I, I thought something of it in the 80s. We were doing more, becoming more great. America was growing. It was advancing subjects that were not talked about. We were advancing science. We were advancing culture. And it just seems like we've got stagnant really over the last 20 years. And that's partially, like I said, social media, but also the American people don't have that kind of disposable money anymore. It's all about financing through major corporations and, and borrowing money from uh, 
lending institutions. It's not grassroots. I mean, Steve Jobs and Wozniak built Apple computers in their garage out of spare parts from that they got from IBM. You don't see that now. You see businesses starting why? Because they get a leveraged capital buyout from from a major uh, funding group. It, 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 it's not what it used to be, is what I'm saying. And, and I really do think that the box office numbers reflect that. It's not that people are buying woke movies. They're not. They're, they're as like Yogi Bearism, they're staying away from the movie theater in droves. They're turning to other things. Look, look at what the, the last popular movie was on the, on the child molestation issue, child tra sex trafficking. That was I mean, Peanuts. It was maybe for Peanuts. And it was living in a, in, in a, in a small uh, set of venues. And people went to go see that. They wanted to, see, they wanted to be entertained. And I, I do think that's being missing in a lot of stuff that we're seeing now. And when you talk about entertainment, it's why pop, football is becoming more popular because you can sit at home and watch it. And, and that's what these numbers show me. It, it's more than the gross number. People, it, it, the Barbie movie was not as popular as you think it is. The Barbie movie was not as good as you think it is. The fact that it was overlooked at the Oscars tells you something. But let's talk about, it. I, I want to talk about societal issues today. I, I want to talk about what happened up on Capitol Hill with this pornography next. We'll be right back after this brief but important announcement. We're back. As you all know, there was an incident up on Capitol Hill. A couple of staffers decided to make pornography. And I don't want to get it specific because I didn't really care if it was gay porn or heterosexual porn. It was pornography and film it and then show it to each other and to others. And it was filmed inside the Senate chamber or a lesser chamber, not the direct voting chamber. It's where they had like the Judiciary Committee hearing meeting and other meetings and whatnot. It was an outrageous scandal that staffers had such disrespect for what I considered a hallowed public ground, the public facilities. And one staffer immediately resigned. One was fired. I don't know how many were involved in it. They go, it was a violation of Senate rules. The Capitol Police investigated it because it's public ground. It's public property. You can't, you can't make a pornographic film on public property, and you can't make it anywhere where it could be viewed by the general public. You can't go to the park, for instance, and make a, a pornographic film. It has to be done in private. And some states outlaw it completely. Some states allow it. California, you can have pornography, and you fill it in, film it in the house and sell it. It's perfectly legal. That's up to each individual state to, to determine legality. Well, the Capitol Police investigated because, why? Because it is illegal to engage in pornographic activity on what is considered public grounds. Well, the law is pretty plain. And it, it also is, is disrespectful to, to the, 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 the Capitol building itself. So they investigated. What's to investigate? The guy's on film. The people that did it resigned. Or in one case was fired. They said, no, it's okay. No, we're not going to arrest these people. 
because it's only a violation of Senate rules. And I said, wait a minute, you can't film pornography in the open like that. It has to be in a closed setting. It can't be, it has to be like in a bedroom or in a house or in a film set. You, you can't do it on where anybody can walk in and see it. Uh, no, we're not going to prosecute. I couldn't believe it. I guess they, they chose not to prosecute because they couldn't tell the difference between what Congress was doing to America and what these guys were doing to each other on the, on the podium. I, I guess. It's, that's the only, the only kind of defense that you could provide for what they're saying. But it shows you how bad Sodom and Gomorrah have infiltrated what's going on in Washington. They, they, they aren't outraged by it. You don't, you don't want to incarcerate. You want to, I'm not talking about like jail time. Because it's, pornography is considered a misdemeanor unless it's in front of children or something like that, which it could have been. But you, it has, something has to be done legally. You know, you give them probation. You say, don't do it again. You're fired. You're not going to be able to do it. And they fired the staffer. One resigned. And you know that was the deal. You walk away from the job and we won't prosecute. It's clear. And the Capitol Police are acting like, well, we don't know if a crime was broken. I could, I could quote you the line and statute. You are not allowed to uh, film pornography on any public property, certainly not any federal property. Certainly not. I guess that's okay now to film pornography at work. Well, if I, if I get caught, I'll just get fired. Well, I guess it's okay to have film pornography in a public park because if I get caught, I'll, I'll just, I can't, I'll get barred from the park. There's, there's no law against that? Of course there is. You bet there is. And it just shows you not only the moral depravity of what is going on, but the disrespect that staffers and Congress and the Capitol Police have for what is essentially hallowed ground, where we're doing the business of the people of America. That, that's the real sin here. They don't care. It's the disrespect. So when you have congressmen and senators sitting around a table and passing judgments on a man like Kavanaugh in a room where they were just screwing each other on the podium, and they're accusing Kavanaugh from 30 years ago with no evidence of what is essentially what they account as rape, it makes you question the validity of Congress itself. And you wonder why January 6th happened. You know, they were all upset. January 6th, we had an insurrection, which it wasn't. It was a riot that out of control by a handful of people. I could show you films that I have. I have them. People sent it to me, videos of CNN people cheering the crowd on. And there was a handful of people. The rest of people were milling around saying, don't touch anything, don't deface anything. Let's stay inside the velvet robes. We'll just, you know, wave a flag. And there were a handful of people that got out of control. There were a handful of people who were agitators. They deserved to be arrested. But by and large, it was an insurrection. And the big thing that the Capitol Police did in their testimony as they investigated, they spent time investigating January 6th like anybody didn't know what happened. They all said, well, they disturbed the sanctity of the American people that the democracy is threatened. Democracy is more threatened by staffers screwing each other in a public forum and filming it and then showing it to other people than anything that happened on January 6th. I assure you that. January 6th should have been a message to America and a message to Congress. Hey, 
you're doing something that is upsetting the American people to the point where they're agitated and they're doing damage. They're striking back. They're rioting. What are we doing wrong? That's the question you should be asking yourself, Nancy Pelosi. That's the question you should be asking yourself in Congress. What are we doing wrong? Well, I could tell you right now, you're allowing people to screw each other on the podium of the Judiciary Committee, and you're not doing anything about the basic things like protecting our borders or defending our national interests abroad. That's the problem. That's what's upsetting people. And people say, well, why did January 6th happen? January 6th didn't happen because of Donald Trump's speech. It happened because you did something like this. You screwed on the podium. And I know it happened after January 6th, but you understand what I'm saying. It's the attitude about America that our government is taking. America is something different. It is an eternal thought in the mind of God. That's what it is. It is not just any other nation. It's more than the Declaration of Independence. It's more than the Constitution. It's a certain something about America that makes it different and special. We talk about American exceptionalism in a lot of different ways. And Barack Obama says, well, everybody thinks their country is exceptional. Yeah, but I can point to the reasons why. Our understanding that our rights come from our intrinsic value as individuals, that we're naturally born with them, that is unique. 250 years, we have one continuous government. That is unique in modern society. We be, believe in a bicameral system where no group of people has power over another. That is unique. Our constitutional rights, our limits on government rather than our people, our rights don't come from government. These are all unique things that make America exceptional. And when you start going around fucking on top of a, a podium where we make decisions about this country, that shows a certain disregard. And it's not just the staffers. Congressman knew about this, was going on, didn't say anything. That's what the investigation showed. Well, they, they knew about it. They knew they were using the, the halls of Congress. And people said to me, well, everybody knows, you know, sex in public place. No, I don't. I was, I've been in a number of jobs in a number of different companies. I never heard of anything like this going on in any job. And it, and it shows you the corruption of the Capitol Police itself. They are nothing more than the, the goose-stepping Gestapo of the House and of the left. That's why January 6th happened, folks. The Capitol Police pulled the ropes aside and said, let him in. And then when everything went to shit, they blamed the protesters. Well, what did you think was going to happen? I could show you films of Capitol Police escorting people up the stairs. What did you think was going to happen? Toward the Senate chamber, where they were having meetings. If the Senate chamber was disturbed, if there was a meeting broken up, and if that's what they're charging them with felony, then I would simply point to the Capitol Police and say, look, you, you had us up there. What did you think was going to happen? People were going to get agitated. People were angry. So I, it, it just it gives you a sick feeling, a sick, wet feeling in my gut when I see about this. It's not about, you know, they've been making it about, well, we can't punish homosexuals because what will happen is they'll say, well, you're, you're anti-homosexual. No, it's people fucking in the, the chamber. It's got nothing to do with sexuality. I would say the same thing if it was heterosexual, if there were two, even if there were two congressmen doing it in there. It's like, it's outrageous. It's uh, unheard of in my, in my I, I don't know in American history, because I, I did a quick search. Has this ever happened before? Has there ever, I'm sure somebody screwed in the room, right? I, that's what people do. But has there ever been an incident 
where they filmed it, showed it, congressmen knew about it and walked the other way. That, that's what's astonishing to me. I want the names of everyone that was involved in this. I want everyone that knew about it to be fired. The people that were congressmen that knew about this should have been impeached immediately. You know, you talk about who, who can stay and who can go. You got Santos who misused the company card. He's gone. But you got Bob Menendez, which is under indictment for multiple crimes. And you've got a president who's questioning, uh, we're questioning whether he takes money from China. And, and, and you want to look the other way. That's, that's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that bothers me. It's not the fact that people are having sex. It's the fact that the disregard of where you're doing it, that's, that's what it is. It's the mentality, right? That we're not to blame. We're the ones in charge. We're the ones telling it to you. And if we say it's okay, then it's okay. No, that's not how it works. That's what makes America exceptional, that you can't say it's okay that you can't go around doing this on our desks. Let, let banana republics do it. Let Muammar Gaddafi sleep in gold bathtubs. What happened to him? He was dragged through the streets like Mussolini. Do you want that to come here to America? Then this kind of stuff needs to be punished and needs to be made public so that people can go to bed at night and at least know there's some sort of morality, some sort of sensibility in the way our, our nation is governed. That's all, that's all the American people have ever asked. That's why they haven't rioted in the past. That's why we haven't had revolutions in the past. Because the American people, at the end of the day, could put their head down and go, well, at least we got that guy. Well, at least the vote. I have a vote. I can change whoever's in office if I don't like what he's doing with the job. You take that away and you break down all of society as well as government. That's what's the key to this story. And it's not being talked about. It should be the headline every day. They went, They got away with it. They got, and, and you know that that's going to go on again if they don't, if they don't prosecute. It, it's the broken window theory. You, had, you enforce every law to a T, even something as little as jaywalking or breaking a window. You have to, because otherwise people think, well, if we can do this, we can do that. Hey, listen, we got away with screwing each other on the podium. Maybe we could do something else like have an orgy or, or worse. I won't even get into the, the specifics of that. Well, speaking of which, you want to talk about disrespect. Let's talk about Biden, our veterans that, our soldiers that were killed, three soldiers, three National Guardsmen, one from Arizona here, that was killed in Iraq, Jordan, I should say, and a little bit about the disrespect Biden has for our men in blue, men in green, and for our basic understanding of what private enterprise is. We'll be right back. You know, you talk about disrespect, disregard, that this administration has for the will of the American people, what it really means, what America really means, what, who built this nation and that kind of thing. Biden has a clear disrespect for it. Recently, three servicemen were killed in Jordan in an Iraq, Iranian missile attack. Well, I should say Iranian-backed rebels. It's the same thing. They're fighting a war by proxy, which 
Biden has said we're really not going to do much about it. We're just going to protect the interests of the American Navy with the Houthis and whatnot. We're, we're going to do something, but he, it, it's already too late, in my opinion. It's already too late to do anything about these servicemen that were killed in Jordan. You have to act within 24 hours, and it has to be a decisive act. It has to be so overwhelming and so frightening and so destructive they won't do it again. That's the only way military force should be used, always. It should never be used in a measured fashion. It should never be used in a delayed fashion. And it should always be, we're not going to say anything about it until it happens. That's what you do. The only time you need to address the American people is when it's a major attack and then as it's happening. You do not notify them. You do not warn them. If civilians get killed, too fucking bad. That's the way it is. You take a shot at America, we hit you back a thousand times harder. That's the way. You have to send a message. That's what Donald Trump did. I remember when the Iranian-backed rebels shot up our, our bases in Iraq, and not only did Donald Trump attack back, he hit their entire high command at an airport, and he killed them all, obliterated them. The, the driver, the innocent civilians in the airport, the, everybody. And, and we didn't hear anything from those Iranian-backed rebels in the years that subsequently followed during his administration. That, and everyone was outraged. Everyone was horrified. Well, that is an easy, he's a, a, a general, but he wasn't in uniform. So what? It scared the hell out of him. And then he hired Bolton. Like, well, we might go to war still. We don't know. I want to talk to Bolton. He knows more about Iran than anybody. And I told you that at the time. Biden calls them up the families. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss. Every president does it. But what does he do? Does he say, look, we're going to get the guys that did this. They will suffer a hundred times worse than your children did. And this will never happen again. Because there was some accusations that one of the reasons why the missiles got through was because there was miscommunication. I don't know what the content exactly of the call was. But during the call... He does something which shows you the level of character he is at. He says to them, you know, I lost my son in Iraq too. Makes it about himself. Because of ego. I lost my son in Iraq too. Even though he died years after Iraq. He died of brain cancer. I know what he was referring to, the fact that his son was exposed to toxins in those burn pits in Iraq, which was scandalous, but that is the, a product of war. But he not, that's not the time to do it. It's one thing if you're making a speech and you're talking about deaths of servicemen overseas. I, I know what it's like to lose a son. I lost my son to brain cancer. That's what he should have said. I get in a speech. But when you're calling the parents of the victims, that's not the time to do it. It's not appropriate. Everyone makes it, he always makes it about himself. Well, it's more than that. It's the timing of it. On a phone call, it should only be one thing discussed. Sorry this happened. The United States will rectify it. We will make the people that did this suffer. So that you have some solace knowing, well, my son or my daughter didn't die for nothing. I should have explained to them why we were in Jordan. Well, why were my children there? Never, from what I understand, never said that. You should have said, well, you have to understand. They died for a purpose. 
we're trying to protect Jordan and this or that. I can't tell you why we're in Jordan. I've told you, I've questioned our troops overseas in many different locations. I do not understand why we're doing it. We are not the world's policemen. But that should have been discussed. Give them a reason. Understand, put them at ease, put their pain, knowing that their son or their daughter died a hero that gave up their life for the nation. And more importantly, that the people that did it will suffer and they will suffer far worse than your kids did. That's what, that, give, that when, if you're a parent, that's what you wanna hear and that's what will make you let, lay down and rest that night. Well, the people that did this will be suffering this very night. Do you remember that scene in Godfather where the, the I, I love referring them because that movie had so many things that were true about life itself. The, the, the mortician comes to the Godfather and says, my, my daughter was beat up by the, raped by these animals and the judge gave him a suspended sentence. He says, well, he says, if you, I know what you are, you're a law-abiding citizen. And for you, the law and the justice is where you go to. But now that the justice and the law didn't do it, you come to me. He says, if you were already my friend, if we were already doing business together, those kids would be suffering this very night. And that's what he taught, he did the right thing. Your kids will be, will share, you know, those, those guys that did this to your daughter will suffer this very night, this very night. That's what should have happened. He should have been calling them as the missiles were dropping. We're destroying the people that did this this very night. I want you to know that. That's what you, that's what you want to do to believe in America again. You don't want to hear, you know, I lost my kid. Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, a great psychologist, said there's very different, there's different levels of empathy or friendship. He said the first level is what most people fall down on. IG, I'm sorry for your loss. That's acceptable. That, that's what a friend does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're sick. I'm sorry that I, I, I messed up and I, I did something that offended you or hurt you or insulted you. That's the first level. But there's a lower level. When you start to talk about yourself rather than what the, is ailing the person, the death of a child, the death of a, a, a friend or some, or a sickness, like when, like when I, here I am referring to myself, cancer, that kind of thing. You have people call you. The worst is, well, I had it too. I lost a kid too. I, mean, I know why you do it. It, it. What it is, is you're trying to empathize with the people that you're talking to. But it, it's, it shows you, it's a lower level. The worst is you don't call at all. The highest level is when you talk about ideas. Ronald Reagan was really good on this. It was, he was a really, that's why they called him the great communicator. When something like this would happen, he would go public and he would talk about America stands for something. And he would talk about the greatness. And then of course he would talk about what we were gonna do about it. I remember when the, the Japan Airlines went down, flight 007 over North Korea. And he said, well, America stands for something, the freedom of the skies. And that, you know, that he, it was inspiring. It was a moment of leadership. And he says, now what we're going to do is we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do that. And here's the evidence that they did it. That's how Reagan, that's the highest level of empathy. Not the tears, the crocodile tears like Bill Clinton. I feel for my people. That's bullshit. No, 
talk about idea at the highest level. The regular level is you, you say to you, friend, or you're ailing, you know, whoever that you're close to, you say, well, I feel for you. Do you is there anything I can do for you? My neighbors brought me cakes, for instance. They were at the highest level of friendship that I have. You know, these are things that are important to. But when you're talking about empathy, the president has none. He doesn't care. I'll, I'll, here's another example. Biden was talking about inflation because there's no denying we're paying through the nose for our gas, energy, housing, these things are hurtful to the American people. They are having trouble making ends meet. We're now in more credit card debt than ever before. And I know he's been selling unemployment's low, best economy ever, but we all know better and he knows it. So he comes out and he says, well, you know what the problem is? Grocery stores are gouging. Grocery stores operate on a 1%, maybe 2% profit margin. Honestly, it's that tight. It's not grocery stores. And the attitude that, you know, it's all grocery stores fault is the lowest level. It's not my fault that I printed money like a fiend. It's not my fault that government has been spending money for years with a reckless abandonment. It's not my fault that I've been doing all these things which caused inflation. No, 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 no. It's grocery stores that are the problem. They're asking too much money for the stuff that they're selling. Because there's no doubt. I was reading an article that said the average person is spending $1,000 more a month on things like groceries, gas, rent that have increased in the last two years. All of that is a direct, a direct cause is government spending and the printing of money. There, Milton Friedman, I, I refer to it all the time, but you should watch it. Just look it up. Milton Friedman says, he's a Nobel Prize winning economist, says, the number one, the sole reason for anything more than an average 1%, which is just time factor, people asking for more raises and that kind of thing, is the, the main reason for inflation is government spending. There is no other real reason for it because the, the printing of money makes more money into the economy. And Biden's whole economic plan, Bidenomics, is we're going to infuse all this government money into the, the private marketplace and then people will use it to build it up. That's not what happens. It devalues the currency itself. That's why a minimum wage worker is now earning 12 to $15 an hour and still can't make ends meet, even though we got all these raises. People don't understand that. They don't get it. The average person is now spending about 75% of their income, minimum wage income, on basics in life. In my time, and there's been statistical charts that show you that in my time, when I was growing up, when I was 17, 18, 19, working minimum wage jobs to start, I was only earning three, $4 an hour, but it was only 40% of my housing costs, food costs, and basic nut stuff. That's, that's how bad we're, that's why nobody has a disposable income. That's why I talk about box office, why people are going to movies. The movies aren't entertaining enough and people don't have the disposable money to go to them because you've devalued the currency so much because you've infused all this money into the economy. And the worst part of it is the businesses know this. They know eventually the government money shutting off. That's why inflation is easy because we've shut off the government money. We're out, we're broke. That's why they constantly have to go to Congress for a spending bill. They're broke. 
There's no available money in the treasury. We've exceeded the budget by far. And that's why inflation is easing because the government hasn't been spending money as much. Can't. It's out of money. It's not the grocery stores. It's not greedy corporations. The reason they're buying back the stock, and they have to, is because when that government money shuts off, they're going to need to sell stock to stay alive. That's why. It's not about greed. Business is never really about greed. It's about viability. They want to be around 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. In order to do that, they got to go into survival mode, which is buy the stock. Money is cheap. We could get it from the government. Let's buy our own stock back because when that money cut off, we're going to have to sell it. And it's going to be a hell of a lot more valuable then than it is now. I don't care what they say about the stock market being up. It's artificially been pumped up by huge amounts of government money flowing into the economy. It's inflation. It's not real growth. If it was real growth, business would be going crazy, and it ain't. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the coming layoffs that are coming. We'll be right back. You know, I told you this in spring of last year. Excuse me, that's a little dry. That once the Christmas season was over, we would be in big trouble with the economy. And the reason is, is because they used, there's a reason they call Black Friday. This is really what it's all about. Black Friday was right after Thanksgiving. It was where after all expenses and all costs are pulled out, that's basically where you start to make money in the average business. Because that's when you're the busiest. People are out shopping, spending money, especially in retail. Retail, Black Friday is the thing. Anything that comes after Black Friday is going to be in your pocket profit because you've broken even now for the year. Increase in business offsets your cost. January, everyone was shocked because the January report came out on layoffs sky high. Companies are laying off like you wouldn't believe. They're cutting back. Now, if you're on a great economy and you are expanding your business, the last thing you want to do is lay off people because people are what makes the, gen the business go. You need to have people handle. In, in any business, the, the, really, the whole thing in the running a business is you produce goods, stick them on the shelf, and then you have somebody to check it out. That's really what it is. I mean, magazines, doesn't matter if you're a magazine, doesn't matter if you're a supermarket, doesn't matter if you're a retail store. It's all basically the same thing. You provide a product and you have somebody to check it out. So your people are really important. People that need to be productive, know how to put the stuff on the shelf fast in a way that is attractive to the consumer. And then you have to have people check it out. A simple way for them to use their money to get it as quickly as possible with as few lines as possible. And people are really important. You have to have the right people and you have to have the good people. So why is it all layoffs? You lay people off when you expect a contraction in the business. Well, the government's out of money and there's an election coming up. And polls indicate it's going to be a close election. And interestingly enough, polls indicate Trump is going to win. I've told you my feelings on that. I don't know. And I don't know if Donald Trump is going to be able to fix the economy anytime soon. This is why he said the other, I don't know, last month, 
he said, uh, he says, well, if the economy is going to go bust. I just hope it happens on his watch and not mine. That's what, you know, people were saying, well, Donald Trump wants the economy. He says, I expect the economy to, I want the economy to crash. That's not what he said. He knows it's going to crash. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. He says, God, I hope it happens now. I don't want it to happen because this is not something I'm going to be able to fix overnight. It's going to require a lot of cutbacks in government spending. It's going to require a lot of changes on the way we're doing business. And it takes time. It takes time for, for a regulation, for instance, on fossil fuels and greenhouse gas to roll through the economy to the point where it's affecting you and your wallet. That's why in the first couple months, the first six months of Biden's presidency, the market was still going up. Things were still going pretty rosy because of what had been going on in, in the previous administration. And that is even in a, in a post-COVID world. We still aren't at the labor levels that we were pre-COVID. A lot of people don't know this. The labor levels, were, how many people were working? I'm not talking about unemployment. That's different. Unemployment is based on how many people are collecting jobs. I'm talking about people are working. The amount of people working are still at pre-COVID levels. The economy is not very good. And now in January, layoffs are coming. All the seasonal help. Macy's announced it's closing 10 stores, 3,000, I think something like 1,500 to 3,000 people are getting laid off. Excuse me. That's a, that's a lot of people. If the economy's good, you're not closing down stores. Walgreens announced that it's closing down stores in Boston. Why? Because there's no business and the, and the people that are living in those communities are ripping them off. They're stealing it left and right. The looting is getting out of control. That's why all these stores are closing. Can't make money. Nobody's spending money. Everybody are just grabbing stuff off the shelves and walking out. So here come the layoffs. And I knew this was going to happen. When all the government money stops, there's going to be a problem. People are going to run out of money to spend because they're all at maximum credit card debt. All of these months in a row, all of these months in a row of high food prices, high rent, high car price, automobile price. Are you ever trying to buy a car now? Good luck finding a 0% deal. Good luck finding anything less than 500 a month with 5,000 down. It's, it's ridiculous. Cars have gotten way more expensive, especially electric vehicles. All that stuff is now rolling through the economy. People are maxed on their credit card debts. People are maxed on a lot of different things. They can't move and sell their house because they're at a 4% loan and a new house is at 6, 7, 8%. So the mortgage payment is double for the same side of house. They're not going to do it. They're not selling houses. They're not selling property. Oh, they're buying. These big companies are buying up houses and turning them into rentals. People with the heavy money, the investment groups, they still can get money. But even them, they're, they're holding and pulling back. So the layoff's going to happen. People, when they run out of money, what do people do? They, they do what are common sense. They, don't, they can't operate like government. They stop spending. They say, well, we're not going to go out to movies. We're not going to go out to dinner. We're not going to go do these things and we'll just we'll play until we pay off the debt, until we uh, until things get better at work, until I start getting bonuses again, uh, until my new job kicks in or whatever. Until I get a raise, which isn't happening either. People are being expected to work harder than ever before. That's why there's so many people quitting on job. You've, you should look around. You should see what the average resume is. You can do this on jobs. What does the average resume look like? They're all jobs two, three years, and they're out. People are showing up late to work. They, they, they're not putting up with anything at work. They're walking off the job. They're doing other things. They're living off government money and living off their credit cards. That's why it's an all-time high. 
It runs out eventually. Then what do companies have to do? Layoff. People aren't buying our widgets anymore. They don't have the money to. They buy now one widget instead of three widgets. So they lay off people. We don't need as many people making widgets because we're not selling as many widgets. It's bottom line. When the money runs out, the economy runs out. And it's starting to run out now. Do you, do you think Macy's would close 10 stores, lay off 1,500 people if they could still make money in those stores, if they were still profitable? No. Stores aren't profitable. Their, their neighborhoods are going right down the toilet. You'll find that most of these stores like Walgreens and CVS and stuff that are closing down operations, they're all in what? What I consider or what I call a bad neighborhood. Uh, Representative Yayapel, uh, what's her name? One of the four horsemen was complaining about Walgreens. Say it's racism because these are black neighborhoods. These are Hispanic neighborhoods. Why do you think? Do you, do you think that Walgreens would close down a profitable store? It, it, if they were, no, they're not profitable anymore between the, the lack of business and the fact that they're looting the shelves. If you, maybe if you could get, talk to your constituents about stopping looting, maybe it would be profitable again. That, that's what annoys me, is the, the mentality that everything is racism. The mentality that the economy is racist, that the corporations are sticking it to the... No, that's not what it is. Everything is viewed within the specter of wokeism and progressivism, and they're blind to actual facts. Some Asian was complaining on Twitter. I think he's a columnist. I think it was Andy Liu. I, I don't know. And he was saying, you know, people say, am I a Chinese communist? And that kind of thing. Well, I'm from the Philippines, and yeah, I'm Asian, but just because I, you know, I'm Asian doesn't mean I'm Chinese or, or I'm a communist. I said, no, we don't think that. We think that you're a communist because of your ideas and, and the, the things that you are proposing, not because you're Asian. It wouldn't matter what color skin you are. I still, I call AOC a friggin' communist. Well, it has nothing to do with your skin color. There's plenty of white people up on the hill that are communists too, or, or people that I don't trust. Eric Swalwell, complaining about money and stuff. I said, why don't you talk to your, to your bedmate and Chinese spy? I'm sure she's got money. That's what it's all about. Facts. And that's why there's layoffs coming and it's going to be a groundswell of them. And it's going to ramp up in February and March and April as this economy continues to falter, no matter what the Biden administration says. The real fact, it doesn't matter what you personally are getting or how you're performing in your mutual fund or your 401k or whether you have a job which is installing solar panels, which you didn't have before and it's paying you better. The economy as a whole, we're not producing goods, we're not making goods, and what we're doing is we're falling into the trap of government money. Too many people are getting their jobs and their incomes from government-funded projects. And what that does is it deflates the economy eventually, sooner or later, and we're starting to feel it now. That January layoff report was shockingly bad. And most people didn't expect it. Not me, I expected it. I, I've been telling, how many, how, if you're a regular listener, how many times have I said to you, layoffs are coming, layoffs are coming? And I sounded like a broken record. Honest to God, I did. I, I said it to myself, I, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And gee, it should have happened by now. Sure enough, they all were waiting for Christmas season. Hopefully, Christmas will bring it. Christmas, because you used to say that when we were in, in 30 years ago, when I was in retail, management always sit around the table. Well, it's all right, Christmas is coming. We're going to have big numbers in Christmas because it's been soft in September. And I'd be like, no, we're not. I, I see what, what customers coming in, what, what they were buying. See, the thing is, 
I ran big ticket electronics and furniture. So I would see that people were buying the cheaper stuff. They were buying, they weren't buying the big screen TV. They were buying the little electronics. And I go, that's a bad sign. They're running out of money. And sure enough, it hit the recession. And it's going to come again. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the red flags. And that's why I told you, batten down. Keep every nickel you can right now because it's coming. Your, your dollar is going to be devalued. Your job, if it's not from government, is at risk. You might lose your contracts. You might lose the, the people that are buying your widgets. It's all, and it's going to happen fast, like a ball falling off a table because it's been propped up by a government money. And this is one of the things that concerned Trump, and he didn't say it, but he didn't have to. He knows it's going to take time to fix the economy. I remember the recession uh, that happened after Reagan took over. And everyone elected Reagan to fix the economy. The economy was friggin' miserable under Carter. It was just as bad under Ford. And Nixon wasn't a great economy either. The 70s were friggin' horrible. I mean, you, I was a kid. And I didn't have to pay bills, but I could tell. Things are tough. And it got really bad in 1981, right after uh, Reagan took office. It took him about a year or two to get things going. And I remember after he got elected and the economy took a tank in 81, early 82, and everyone said, gee, I thought Reagan was supposed to fix the economy. Give it time. Because what has to happen is the government has to spend money and that is going to push that ball off the table even further. And then what will happen is with the deregulation that is going to happen under someone like Trump, who's going to let the fossil fuel industry perform, you'll start to see pump prices begin to level out and fall. And you'll start to see goods shipped more easily. And you'll start to see new and innovative products coming out because it won't be regulations holding things back. But energy is the key. Cheap energy is the key, fossil fuels. And when that happens, it takes about a year or two for it to all roll through to your store shelves. It will happen. No doubt in my mind. Conservatism works economically. No, no question about it. And foreign policy really can't divide into left and right. It's, it's attitude. But it, the, the economy, a laissez-faire president and a laissez-faire Congress will make this economy go. If you don't get that, it won't. It's dependent on handouts. It's dependent on government money. And this is why Biden constantly says how his economy is good because they're pouring huge amounts of money into it. But that's, that's a false promise. That's why there's inflation. Let's, I got to wrap up the show. Let's talk about another silly story, a couple silly stories from around the internet. We'll be right back. For those of you who watch on video, I'm having trouble with my hat. <laughs> it's loose. I, I lost a lot of weight. Uh, one of the, here's a, a strange story. You want to hear something strange, which I didn't know. When you get cancer, your head size shrinks from the chemo. Honest to God. When you lose a lot of weight in a hurry like that, your actual scalp deflates. I didn't know that. I've been, I hadn't been told. I said, I said to my doctor, I said, you know, my head size, my shoe size. I said, my shoe size. I mean, it's not just my waistline. I'm getting back to normal weight. But you, he says, your head will never, you, what happens is your bones actually get thinner. I, which 
I said, really? He says, yeah, that's why you have some thinning here and thinning there. It's from radiation and also the cancer. He says, it dissolves bone at a low level. And so that's why a lot of my hats are a little loose now. And I, this one, this particular hat that I'm wearing was a, a gift for me to, I was a game that I don't even play. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even wear the hat anymore. I don't know. Uh, well, you tell me what you think. Activision, for those of you who watched the video, Activision Publishing, I got this in a contest, a game called Ghost Protocol, I think of what it was. I got, I got this in a contest, believe it or not. Uh, Call of Duty, here it is, Call of Duty Ghosts. Um, it's funny, it's a long story, I'm not going to tell you how I wanted it. I got it, and, and I, I, it used to fit perfectly. It doesn't have an adjustable strap in the back. I used it, now it's loose. But I, I like wearing it, because I like the look of it. It's got a skull on the thing. Just a fun thing. I was I saw this story from India, of all places. First, at first, I thought the story was America, and then I started to get angry. Then I realized that's ah, India, Pakistan. What do you expect, right? Third, I, I don't care. Second world country. I don't want to be too tough on India or Pakistan. Second world country. I know people get offended when I say third world, second world, but that's what it is. Second world country. It's not quite up to Western standards, but it's not, you know, Botswana land or middle Africa. They have nuclear weapons. They have modern technology, modern systems. And they may be all strapped together with, with duct tape and, and spit, but it is what it is. There's a story about it. That, uh, they caught a pigeon. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. They caught a pigeon at one of the ports and around its ankle was wrapped some Chinese writing and they arrested the pigeon. Can you, can you believe this? They arrested the pigeon because they thought it was being used as a spy, Chinese spy carrier pigeon. I think it's, this is where the story really gets weird. So they think this and they investigated. It turned out it was a racing pigeon from a Taiwan uh, pigeon race. I, I made it over to India somehow. <laughs> it shows you the wide range of what these things could fly. It was some sort of Taiwanese racing pigeon. And after holding it in arrest for eight months, how do you arrest a pigeon, first of all? Do you put little cuffs on its ankles or what? I guess they caught it. And after eight months in prison, they finally released the pigeon, pigeon into the wild because they couldn't find the original owners or whatever. They released the pigeon. <laughs> Is that the most ridiculous thing in the world? Like, if, if, if you catch a pigeon and you expect a Chinese spy, why don't you just fucking kill it? It's a pigeon, right? I'm... I mean, it's not like there's a shortage of pigeons. It's not like an endangered species. I just fucking kill a thing. <laughs> and investigated, but, you know, gas the... I, how do you kill a pigeon? <laughs> That's another question. Do you hand, hit it with a baseball bat or you flush it down the toilet? You can't flush it down the toilet. <laughs> I mean, it's just a silly story, the whole thing, right? <laughs> Apparently, they've done this before. They've caught Chinese spy pigeons. This is not. This is not like... A, a, a one-of-a-kind thing. They catch them from time to time. They're carrier pigeons that send messages back and forth to China because that way it's secure. That shows you how... I mean, you're worried about China, right? We talk about their aircraft carriers and their J-28 planes or whatever Whatever they got. I, I'm not a, a James book on, on Chinese technology. I always say I wouldn't worry about that. I worry about the numbers, they have more ships than we do. We have more soldiers. That, that's what I worry. And I worry about 
how they're using their money to infiltrate both American society and other societies to drive them crazy. That's what I worry about. Worry about the, them putting crap in our food. Our pharmaceuticals are made over there. That, that's why I said we, if we just broke our trade with China, that would end a lot of China's strength. We don't have to go to war with them. Be that as it may. If, I, if I'm an investigator with the CIA and somebody says, is the Chinese? Kill it. That's my first word. Kill it. And then we'll deal with it our, our own way. It's, you don't bother finding the original owner. Just kill it. <laughs> it's just a freaking pigeon. And I know people at PETA are like, all the animal rights groups are going to go up. Who cares? We're talking about national security. Ultimately, as it turned out, it wasn't. It was just a, a Taiwanese racing pigeon. But you, don't, you understand. I don't care about what PETA thinks when it comes to national security. I don't think about animal rights groups when it comes to that kind of thing. You've got a country that's sending messages. But what does it also say about China? But their technology, right? Why wouldn't, don't they have encoded encryptions? I mean, Jesus, we had, in 45, we had the ultimate device. Why, why don't, well, you got to use a pigeon. Well, maybe it's, they, they distrust cell phones and electronics so much because they know what they're doing with them here in the United States that they're using carrier pigeons. That tells you something. It tells you about the thought process of and what it is. The other crazy story <laughs> that I saw, I don't know if you've ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know you've watched Seinfeld. Larry David. Larry David was the producer of Seinfeld, writer, only appeared on it as the voice of, of uh, George Steinbrenner, hilariously so. He sounds just like Bernie Sanders. He kind of looks like him too. And uh, a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David. People have said to me, they said, you're Larry David. And I said, well, how? You always say the most socially unacceptable things in public. And you don't realize how dumb it sounds. That show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I've watched it on HBO. It's hilarious. He does a lot of that. He's actually done stuff on that show that I've done in, in real life. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, which I'm embarrassed to say, but it's funny. Um, there's this uh, one story in Curb Your Enthusiasm. This veteran comes to visit him and his wife and his friend and his wife. And everyone goes, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And then they look at Larry David. And Larry says, hey, how you doing? Shakes his head. <laughs> Doesn't say, thank you for your service. And then when everybody leaves, when he leaves, everyone goes, how can you not thank him? I said, everybody else did. Yes. <laughs> so socially unacceptable things. Well, anyway, he was on the Today Show. One of those morning coffee cup shows that I, I don't watch. I don't care who's on it. I don't care if my favorite actress or actors are. I'm not going to watch it. It's just junk for the mind. Junk food. And he was on there with Elmo the puppet. Elmo has to be the most annoying muppet that there is. I, have you ever heard Elmo? Elmo talk like this. You know, kitty talk. He's a little red puppet. Looks like Grover. I liked Grover. You remember Grover from Sesame Street? Near... Far. That kind of thing. It was great. But Elmo was on. And Elmo has been used for social programming of kids for the last 20 years. It tells you all kinds of crap that you really don't need to know. All kinds of stupid shit you shouldn't be doing. Basically, it's promoting communism, leftism, and wokeism on a, on, a, on a daily basis through Elmo the Puppet. It used to be a cute little thing. Elmo the Puppet, Sesame Street, you buy it in stores, talking Elmo, that kind of thing. It's not. It's propaganda prop now. Say it, for, say it for what you will. If you don't like why I say it, too bad. 
Elmo's a propaganda prop for the left. Well, anyway, and this had nothing to do with that. I just wanted to mention it. Larry David gets up in, in the middle of a segment. Uh, uh, I think it was Al Roker was doing the weather, I think. And apparently there's some sort of kerfuffle between Elmo and Larry David. And Larry David starts hitting the puppet or strangling it like this. And he goes, it had to be done. <laughs> he was frustrated with, I guess, the way Elmo was behaving or talking, yapping. And everyone was outraged. <laughs> this is what gets me. Everyone's like, oh, you can't do that, Larry. Oh, that is offensive. Oh, that, that is really thing. You need to apologize to Elmo. Yeah, he goes, I ain't apologizing. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. But it's a classic Larry David. But here was the thing. People are upset. It's a fucking puppet. All right? It's not, it's not a real. Elmo isn't real, folks. It's a hand up a sock. It's a sock puppet. He was just goofing around, and, and it's funny to watch somebody strangle a Muppet. I'm sorry, but it is. I remember the first Muppets ever. The first Muppet ever had a Muppet talking like Elmo, and it had a larger Muppet come up from behind and go, whoop, and eat the whole Muppet. That was it. It was the first show, and it was high comedy because it was so, so over the top. And now people are upset. He grabbed Elmo. That's inappropriate for work. You can't touch another person without asking their permission. Fuck that. What do you mean without asking? Half of America wouldn't get laid if, if a guy didn't touch a woman without her permission. But that, that's me. That's my generation. Right? It's like you can't date a woman at work now. Oh, no. Can't date a woman. Can't ask anybody out of work. Can't say she looks nice. No, no. In <laughs> my day, the number one way you met somebody and ended up with somebody, dated and or married them, she met them at work or church. There were, there were some that were at the bar and there was even some social media people, but it was how you met. Met people at work, can't do that now. This is another way they're coming at you. You can't meet, you can't ask anybody out work, can't say they're nice looking without it being a sexual offense. You can't strangle a Muppet on to the day show. It's just a Muppet, folks. It's not like he strangled a real person. It was a mock. It was a kind of a mock thing. Ah, you know how you do that? Oh, Tom, you're socially unacceptable. Oh, Tom, you always say the most offensive things. Oh, you hurt my feelings. You know how many letters I get like that? Oh, I, I said, you know what? This is what I am, okay? I'm going to just say whatever's on my mind, whatever crossed my mind, no matter how it offends people. No, I never apologize for that because it's, this is what I, I, I honestly do think that. I'm sorry. I honestly do think E.G. Carroll's out of line and that story was bullshit. I honestly do think that I wanted somebody other than Trump, but I'm willing to have him as president. I will vote for him and I will support him and I will defend him when he is being unjustly attacked. These are the things that I believe in. And I know I'm in the minority. I don't care. I'm in the minority saying it's okay for you to strangle a Muppet. I'm like Larry David. I, I just, I don't care. I don't care what other people, all they do is I care about what I look in the mirror. Okay, so if you want to strangle a Muppet on a, on a day show, I think it's funny. I don't care about a pigeon being returned to its real owners in Taiwan if it's suspected of being a spy. Why would you keep it in jail for it? What, what is it, a threat? I'm saying, the whole idea, you, do you see what I'm saying? The whole idea of this pigeon sitting in a jail somewhere is so stupid. It really is. We're out of time. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I it just, I, I feel like the world has gone crazy. Like nobody can take a joke. Nobody can 
everyone, you know, gets so irate. I, I mean, I, this is coming from somebody who gets more irate than anybody. But it's like there, there are things that you should get irate about and there are things that are, aren't. And it's the really important things that you're not. Like, why aren't you more upset that there were $32 trillion in debt? Why aren't you more upset that we're at war with four nations in the Gulf? Why aren't you upset that all this money is going to Ukraine and there's no resolution there? That's what you should be upset about, not whether somebody was called a communist because they're Asian. That's it's stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. You see, if I was him, I mean, I'm not a minority, so I don't know. But if I was him, I'd say, I don't care what some MAGA head, you know, called me a communist or not. I know what I am. That, that, that's what it is. It's, it's political contrivances designed to change your opinion to their side of the story. And it should be about what are the facts? Don't talk about Biden's economy and anything other than what is it? It's a train wreck. I always say that, you know, every time these guys say Biden's economy is so great. I go, what's so great about sky-high gas prices, sky-high food prices, sky-high rent? More people are in credit card debt than ever before at a record level. What's good about that? Well, this, this statistic, the market is an all-time, unless I'm in the market and I'm investing and, and doing it and well, what does that mean to me? The average American isn't the average American. 60% of Americans have nothing in their checking account. That's a bad economy. That is, means the people. The American people, the average guy in the street is friggin' broke. That's not good. That's not good for America. That's not good for our government. And so is our government. They're talking about raising taxes to raise money to, to solve the debt. No. If you sacrificed every dollar in every American's pocket, the rich, the poor, everybody, it wouldn't even make a dent in $32 trillion. The problem is you're spending. And they don't want to cut it off because they know if they cut it off, then it'll really, things will really happen badly in this country because so many people are on the dole. We're out of time. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Again, next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to go on a regular schedule. I, I haven't quite decided. I got to flip a coin. Six or seven o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Every day, every week. And then there will be additional holiday shows for our member subscribers. President's Day will be our first holiday show, a special, you know, 20 minute video that will only be available to video members only on, on President's Day, where it comes from, why it's important, why we should celebrate it, what it's all about. But we're out of time for today. Take care, folks. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Liberty Never Sleeps podcast with your host, Tom Purcell. Negativity never sounded so good.